The DJ is Mr. David Roberts, fantastic DJ that he is. Eli Hedges, one of the greatest people that's ever lived. And all-round good bloke, Mr. Robert Whitaker, UFC middleweight champion and philanthropist. <laughs> wow. wow. How are you guys? Everyone good? I'm good, mate. I'm good. What, uh, what's... Uh, What's been happening? Like we haven't had you on. We haven't actually had you as a uh, here with us. You've always been no, no, doing David's job. Yeah, yeah. So um, not much the same old mate. Just work and family life. Yeah. Um, we had a couple of delays with the with the Gap programs and the Gracie programs that we that we were meant to start in April, but yep. it, it's looking like we're going to be starting in July. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, probably pretty excited about the how things have turned around. Um, so hopefully in the next eight weeks we'll get things up and running. We're also we've got a, a cluster of students who are ready to go. Um, been in contact with them and that as well. So I guess we're just excited to get things up and running again. Um, where where can people um, where, where can people go if, if they're interested in in doing the program? Probably on our Facebook page, the the Gap program. Um, so if you go or, Facebook Gap program, or even on our, I think we'll share it on our on our Grange TV. Uh, yep. Grange TV on, on Facebook as well. Plus, you can also, uh, most of the stuff is shared by myself or or um, Eli Hedges on Facebook or, uh, you know. And Grange TV, members. we're going to have the links up on Grange TV for you to follow that. Uh, Gracie Smeaton Grange. So, S-M-E-A-T-O-N-G-R-A-N-G-E, Smeaton Grange, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, they'll have the links up. So, if you're interested, just please, you know, uh, yeah, follow the links. Um, so that, that should be up and going in the next, yeah, eight weeks. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the program? Because you are a product of, don't I judge am. us on Eli alone. I am. We had some success stories Yeah, I was going well. to say, I think there's a few <laughs> better ones than me. I, I just currently work at TAFE. But um, no, it was the Cert 3 and 4 in fitness. And then ours obviously has the, the Gracie component. And then I guess the people involved around it and that as well. We have obviously Rob's coaches, um, yourself and Alex who were involved and then having Rob Whittaker himself, the um, middleweight world champion, which when we were in the program, he wasn't the middleweight world champion to start with. And then we got to go and, and see so him become yeah. the middleweight world champion. So that was the journey. Sort yeah, of. that was last year. So being a part of that journey and that was, you know, I mean, really, um, I think everyone has a big connection with you and that now and follow you and emotionally <laughs> attached to you know, I mean, every fight that you have. But um, again, I think everyone who comes down on the program um, makes that connection and really appreciates, do you know I mean, the mentoring and, and just the little things. It's the tiny little things that, that's an add-on to a program that make it something special. Can you, can you tell us about your experience on the program, like what, what it was like, so from start to finish kind of thing? Yeah, so it was a, it was a bit of a spin-out. I didn't, um, from very start, I, I just did that, the same expression of interest that people would do online, and then I got a phone call from... Fab, me, yeah. you gave me a call. Um, you explained that the this is the course. It was a Cert 3 and 4 in fitness, which I was interested in anyway. And then you told me it had a jiu-jitsu component. And then it also had uh, Robert Whittaker. I also enjoyed jiu-jitsu and trained. And I was an MMA fan, so it sort of fit in all at one. Um, then we came down. We first did our Cert 3, so we would come down on a Sunday. We used to go do the sand dunes. Yeah, so I used to that's at Cronulla, yeah, so Cronulla, Cronulla Beach where Rob trains every Sunday and goes does the sand dunes out there. So we pretty much got to go see exactly a, a high-performance, do you know what I mean, training session that Rob did. Not much technology, but just, just <laughs> grind it out. 
Um, and then we would be in class Monday, Tuesday, we would roll Wednesday, and then back to the airport and fly home. So there was people from all over the state. Some people were interested in MMA and Jiu-Jitsu and others who didn't have a clue about it, but then um, I think became fans because of the program. We're actually trying to run the program out into New Zealand and uh, hopefully out into Queensland as well in the Torres Straits. Uh, so we really want to nail that down and then maybe work our way down the East Coast and then Australia-wide. So the next point of call is uh, New Zealand and uh, Queensland. So yeah, that, that'd be exciting, yeah. Queensland. I don't know so much about New Zealand, but M- massive, I think. massive. I'm super excited to, to to be on New Zealand as well. To yeah. be able to take take the programs over there, and yeah, you know, I, like I said, I think last week I got about 600 cousins that are going to jump on board straight, uh, yeah. straight away. Yeah, coming out of the woodworks. Yep. But um, on 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 that point, like when you said before, like when you went through and like when we first started with the program, I wasn't the champion. I think I was fighting Jacko, maybe. Yeah. Yep. And um, like it's just that I, I guess that's that's what makes the program so special and the groups that come through is that like we become almost a team, yeah. You know, and we, beca- we 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 join the journey together, and they can see me at my worst in the gym, yeah. and you know, not I don't always want to be there, and they they see that, and they also see me still being there and getting yep. working, and uh, yeah, I know the, the, it was some it's something special for sure. I I think also um with, with programs like that we have. You know, you, you see, like, like Rob just said, you see the ups and downs. You don't just see what people put up on camera. You don't see what just, you know, you don't get to live this uh, kind of vicarious Instagram sort of yeah. life. You, you, you see that people don't want to go to training sometimes. They don't feel good. Um, you see other training partners. You've seen other guys come through. Had uh, Bam Bam and Tyson Pedro come through as well um, and, you know, be guests uh, on the day when they did the podcast and then people got to meet them as well. Um, and Bam Bam's got a huge yeah. following in um, yeah. in the Aboriginal community, obviously. 100%, yeah. You know, and that just having people like that just come through the program and then and you just get to see them in just, in, in real life, like just walking about, yeah. being normal. I, th- I think one of the big the big things as well, everyone thinks they're going to come down here and find out some secret on how Bob <laughs> became the world champion. And then you take them to the sand dunes and you mean they're expecting some technology or, or you're Isn't wearing these masks run, and stuff. run up and down it yeah 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 <laughs> you're like all right guys you gotta do what yeah. oh it must be something we just run up and down it you yeah, we'll play a game until we feel dizzy yeah and then they go to the gym and they maybe expect the same thing when they go to the gym like where's these fancy treadmills and why is it you mean these new freezer no. and stuff like that but there's a mat you mean a nice clean match and, and <laughs> matches. yeah, and training partners. <laughs> you, you were going to say something else about someone. You, you were going to say oh, something. Justin as well. Comes which in. which Justin? Well, both, both Justin. Both Justin yeah, yeah. We've had both Justins come in and talk to the students and stuff like that. Um, Justin Lang, obviously from over there at Cronulla, coming and talk to the guys about the programs he runs and the athletes he works with. Justin Lang uh, runs uh, Live Athletic in in Miranda. He's Rob's exercise physiologist, and he's got he works. With, I don't know. I don't even want to start because he works with so many uh, rugby union and rugby league players. Um, works with so many athletes, a lot of different athletes it's across the board, isn't it? Everyone? Yeah, yeah, very, 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 very high level athletes. Uh, his 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 brother was like a rugby league legend in Australia, Martin Lang. If if anyone followed rugby league like in the nineties, and his dad was a legend as well. He was a he was a Kangaroos coach. He coached at Penrith. I think he was the only father and son team to win a at Penrith a, a premiership. Yep. Yeah, yeah, when they won the premiership. So, like, um, it's re- re- yeah re- a lot of knowledge there, and it's like intergenerational knowledge that that Justin has that not 
I think very, very, very few people have that. Like yeah. where, you know, he, he grew up just going to... Yeah, well, what was he saying? He was a sandboy there and he used to go to every training session. Like Yeah, he, that, that's how he grew up. He would strap David Peachy? Yeah. He was like and, a 14-year-old kid or something. Yeah, and, and the other thing was he would... Because he ended up being a winger. And so he used to... A, a winger and fullback and he used to... So he's... And he's, he's actually a kicking coach now. A yeah. kicking and catching coach in that. And so he grew up... The guys would whoever was kicking the conversions and that and training, they'd kick the conversions and Justin was since he was little would have to catch it and you know run him yeah, back yep. and pass it back, and so he basically knows nothing else other than that. The other day actually somebody rang at me yesterday and a guy asked me which Justin do I think would be best to go and learn boxing from Lang, <laughs> Justin Lang or, or, or Justin Fitzgerald, and I thought like of all the things that Justin Lang can do, boxing is not one of them. <laughs> Um, like if you want to know like latest hair trends, all that stuff as well, Justin, Justin Lang. The one thing Justin Fitzgerald can do is coach boxing though. I was going to say, Justin Lang, I seen a post uh, yesterday, he could work on his fitness, eh? Justin Lang, a very, very fit guy. He's an an alien. Super fit guy. Um, There's, there's uh, some of the, what was your, before we go into Q&A, what's your take, Rob? Like how was, what was your experience like, because you were one of the founding members of, of the Gracie program, of the GAP program. And what was your experience like working for the last three or four years with the with the program? It's been it's been incredible. It's been incredible. You know, um, you 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 say it a lot, but when I go in there and I, and I meet these guys and and you know we communicate, we get back and forth. I, I end up taking a lot more from them than they take from me. Well, you don't offer a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <God. laughs> okay, I lost my yeah. yeah. Sorry, um, go on. Oh, you just derailed me completely. I was, I was building up to something special. But I, I tell you what I think that the students appreciate is just the little things that, that they get asked. They don't expect to, do you know I mean, maybe for you guys to ask them questions. Say, for example, if someone lives at Lake Cargelico, do you know what I mean? And mm. you just well, ask, oh, how big's the lake? And Fucking only time Lake Cargelico will ever get mentioned. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they're the little things, do you know what I mean? Or what community you come from? They'll say, oh, they come from, um, do you mean Inverell or Tingle or something like that? And the questions that come back at the students, I think they really appreciate that and that as well. That it's not, um, but you got, you know, I mean, you generally have interest in it and that as well. And you've travelled around, obviously, went out yeah, to Moree and, and that them areas. And like I said it before, I said like we we all become almost like a team, yeah. all of us. And, and the communication and the the way we treat each other and the way we act, it's, it's all like we're a team. It's all that we're yeah. a team. And um. Yeah, it's 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 incredible because like like you said, like there are days I come to the session and I'm done, and then the guys from the program are there watching me, and they're like, "Hey, Rob, how are you?" And I'm like, "Not good, yeah. not good." And then I crawl onto the mat, and then we get to work. Oh, the, the other thing I think is good is like you, people see that, and there's days that you you don't do well at training. Other guys, you know, tap you or whatever, da 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 da, and. Um, it, that's something a lot of people don't understand. Like they, I think, I think one of the days they came in was when Craig Jones was down. Let me tell you, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> it was a <laughs> I wasn't looking very good that day, and um, you know that's just it. That's just it, what it is. What it is like yeah. that happens, and then the the thing is though, like the next day we came back in and we did it again, and it was still a well, that, I think it's, <laughs> it wasn't any better. But <laughs> it's just getting there and just doing it. I think um, also we've had like. Shout out to Blake Barden, but like Blake Barden works with him as a student support and that, and then they've got to see him training with you and that, and they sort of go like, 
Blake, like little Blake, little stubby yeah. Blake is one of Rob's training partners in that. Well, and then Blake's throwing me on my head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they sort of go, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, so just to it. give a context, Blake, Blake's been wrestling and grappling since he was probably four or five years old. And he works, a, he's a very mild man, Eddie. He kind of looks a little bit like a gummy bear. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> what would it say? Look at this guy. <laughs> um, so Blake yeah and, and Blake's just one of the teachers like one of the, the people that worked in on, on the program and just to see him then you know change into his grappling gear and then, then grapple was a very high level grappler um, yeah so I think that that's a, yeah, that's a spin do, out there back and go what is that Blake at, do we, we've yeah. seen Blake train with Rob and Matt and then they go like Blake's actually good and I'm like dude he's and really good they, yeah, treat, they treat them a lot nicer oh, yeah, they're, 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 they're all, uh, they go up and start shaking his hand and want to know what's happening and yeah. stuff like that before that they're just oh Blake's calling but yeah no so, my, my experience with the program has been absolutely wonderful and then to be able to like when we went up to Moree and Tablin and stuff and to actually go up there and to, 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 to see life up there and to go out to these communities it was it was it was um life-changing honestly like it was yeah. just it just broadened and opened my mind so much that i i just grew as a person and yeah you can't you can't pay for that you know it's it's experience i'm i'm really I'm, I'm really looking forward to dave and i and, and this is the thing it's 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 hard it's not as easy like people think um the program like you know it's you can't just turn it around you know we've been trying to get programs back there's a lot of stuff surrounding funding models and whatnot when you run programs of this nature we've been trying to get back and do some we did some work before with uh torres straits and whatnot and we're trying to get back into that into that realm to to, to work with torres straits and queensland and now new zealand that's something that we're hoping over the next year or two to be able to make sure that we can get you know the to be able to work in new zealand to be able to work in torres straits to be able to work in queensland that's um yeah we'll see we'll see how that goes i don't, I don't know I'm, I'm really pumped i'd, I'd, I'd love to do that um so yeah. right and, and like one more thing is like uh going out to these communities and, and also into like communicating and talking with the the class is like it's grown my knowledge of australian culture so much yeah like so much and then going out to these communities like up in tablinmore when we went out there it was just just helped me grow and learn so much about Australian culture and history and I can't wait for when we eventually get the programs out to New Zealand and then I was say, you should be excited about yeah, that because, as well because they, they embrace their culture in New Zealand 100% really and good. it's one of those things that I've found it's been hard for me to try and, and try and make that uh, to learn about that, yep. that side of my family and yeah I'm just really 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 looking forward to it and, and positive for the for the next few programs we're going to be running this year I think one of the big things with programs like this, <clears throat> working with First Nations people and whatnot, is that you're dealing with uh, cultures and you're dealing with with a people that have been disenfranchised, and there's a lack of intergenerational equity in as far as um, you know who who your extended families are, what where your culture is, who your history is, and whatnot. And I think programs like this, above and beyond you doing your Cert Three and Cert Four or whatnot, is that ability to. Uh, network and gain an, a better understanding of your culture and a better understanding of you know, who you are yeah. i suppose can you talk about that a little bit Elo? oh i can sort of um maybe a little bit one example and i go back to blake but i know blake his family is for all up from the bunjalung nation which is up around his family's casino lismore in that area but he grew up in wollongong he's actually had people come down from the program started chatting to him and that and then finding out that they're like his 
second cousin or something like that, do you know what I mean? So even that networking, I think that's a part of it that you were talking about. So just a perfect example, Blake have, has met family that he's had that he hasn't met previously on this program and that. But um, And then the cultural part, I guess, you know I mean, we have people that come from all different everywhere in the state. Some people are really in touch with their culture when they come down to these programs, others probably not as much. But again, they network together and that, and there's sort of a build of pride and um, probably, like you said, that networking goes through a bit more knowledge in that as well. So they, they might hear someone else's story who's a little bit more in touch if they come from a smaller community like Tinga or something like that, where someone might have grew up in the city, probably not as in touch as much with their culture. They start to network, start to talk, how important find out a little bit more. Dave, if you can talk on this as well, how important do you think it is for um, that interchange of, of knowledge and interchange of culture? Because you have a lot of, of kids that are disenfranchised from their culture. Can you speak a little bit about that on um, and w- w- what you think of, of, about that? Yeah, I think um, the foundation of the program and all the programs that we've worked on before, Fab, has always been that link with... You know, you're, when you really know yourself and you're really mentally stable and you've got really strong well mentally well-being, all the other stuff sort of falls into place. And I think we've spoken before, Rob, around if the whole situation around you is not stable, you can't just focus on the fight. And, you know, for a lot of these kids from these areas, a lot of that stuff isn't stable. And one of the big things that keeps someone grounded is culture. And identity. Um, and identity. And self-identity. And, and self-identity. So, um, you know, what research for all First Nations people all across the world around um, whenever they've been disconnected or disenfranchised from their culture or from their language, um, they really struggle in the new world because they've got nothing to ground them. Um, so pretty much a core element of, you know, the GAP program is that we put the culture, and I think um, we put you through, we both of you through an exercise of doing traditional fire starting um, and just that reconnection. Um, I think we had Cody Walker and uh, Casey, Cassie. Casey Staples. Casey, Casey Staples were yep. in that day. Um, and just that, that, that exercise and just, it, it just gives you a, a newfound respect for all that knowledge that has come before us. And let, you build off that. Yeah, sorry, Rob. Let the record show I started fire. <laughs> did Fab start, did not did, start Rob, fire. Rob didn't start I would survive. Fab would have died. I have a question. I have a question for for you, Eli, and um, for the for the three of you actually. This because I I find it interesting, and and since we're talking about the 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 Grange program, uh, the Gap program, it's uh, it's an interesting thing uh, related around like uh, say for example, you being white, like your your skin is white. How, uh, in in the actual program of in the actual program with other Aboriginal people, I haven't seen that be a problem. Yep. But um, how how do you deal with the lack of it, like intergenerational acceptance? I suppose from okay. from people in that. Do you and, and and not necessarily just from Aboriginal people because people ask yep. me. You know, they watch this. They've well, watched they it think, before. Yeah, all yep. the time. People go to me. Um, Eli doesn't. I don't think Eli looks Aboriginal. Yep. You know, and I. I, I mean, I, I can talk about it, but I don't want to talk about it. I'd rather you talk about it. And yeah. Dave as well, for those of you that don't know Dave, Dave is a color of, of milk. He's kind of <laughs> white tish. And uh, and Rob as well, yourself, um, you're... No, because like people don't know what, what background you are. And like, I know your mum and I know your dad. And your mum is very, like, very, very, very much Polynesian. Your, your dad's the whitest man on the planet. <laughs> um, 
you're you're and you're focused. Like I, and I say this, like my I'm I'm not very dark, but I'm kind of brown. There's a little bit of chocolate in the milk. <laughs> but um, my 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 sister's very fair. My mum is fair, and my dad's probably the same as me. You know, because um, my my grandmother is actually um, indigenous from South America, and that's why. I have these stunning looks. <laughs> my high cheekbones and the whole the whole thing. Um, do um, you want to talk about? I think it? on both sides of my family, I have a, a fair bit of Scottish and, and Irish, so very strong uh, bloodlines and that there as well. But growing up, I guess uh, being light skinned and and um, I also grew up in a community where where my family wasn't from. So I grew up in Ballina, um, up in Bunjalung, and my family a Radri mob. Um, so. I sort of had that disengagement from the start and that, but we had a strong connection with the Aboriginal people there because we just, we all grew up together. Um, I think like acceptance, uh, I was really lucky that I grew up in a strong community up there in Ballina. Um, our school was really supportive and, and the group of friends and that that I had around that were pretty much family. Do you find that people will say stuff? Because like with, with my sister and I, yep. I don't hear a lot of stuff. A lot of the times yeah, that people well, I say, hear, I hear it, but yeah, because yeah. people so, don't say stuff to me when I'm there because yep. I'm thing. But they might say my sister's very fair, so they'll they'll say something. My sister, but but inside we're both the same. So do you, do you get that? Yeah, yeah. No, I get I get the from the other side. The, so you'd be like my sister. Side. You would hear. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. They might say, "Do you know what I mean like Aboriginal people usually do that?" Hold on a second, like. No, they don't. I'm an Aboriginal person. Like, yeah. what do you mean? What do you mean? Oh, but you're different. You're different. Different how? I'm Aboriginal. There's no... I'm not different to any other Aboriginal person. Do you know what I mean? We're, they're still just human beings. There's, there's good ones, bad ones, just like white Caucasian or... or you were raised on, on a mission? Yeah, a little bit of a mission. So, the, well, they've got Cabbage Tree Island and then Cabbage Tree Island started getting moved. They were starting moving everyone off the mission into West Bala. So then uh, one by one, they would move into West Ballina and that, and West Ballina is where I mainly grew up. So from from a young age, four or five or something like that. So then West Ballina sort of turned into, so let's say Cabo is around 20 k's outside of Ballina, and then to try to get them integrated into the society and that, they started moving them all into West Ballina, but then they just created, I guess, the same problem as just any other mission. They... They just put them everyone together, and um, and we sort of face the same issues in that area um, as what a lot of them do on the on the missions and that. There's some other places where they've tried to change it up. I know up in Canelaba uh, when they moved everyone there, they call it checkerboard. So what they did, they would put a Aboriginal family next to a non-Aboriginal yeah, family, yeah. then an Aboriginal family next to a white. Uh, family in that as well but they still sort of had the same issues and that didn't really spread them around so West Ballina when I was growing up if you were at school and that I'd tell people I lived at West Ballina and they'll be like you can't walk around there and stuff like that like that's a no-go zone and they're like, no it's not it's, it's probably the best place to get a game of you know I mean backyard footy but um, that's where I grew up and yeah that was not that was the norm to me yeah one of the big things that let me down about you was um, we wanted to try different cuisine and experience like do some hunting and whatnot i'm glad you brought this up i'm glad you brought this up and um you know people saying well we'll try and get you a goanna we'll try and get you this we'll try and get you yeah, that out west and, and then eli goes the I'll, I'll take his hunting and we'll think what you know i thought Not okay hunting, here we go collecting and then i said what are we going to go hunt and he said pippies <laughs> and that to me 
is not hunting. And Did you not go hunting for pippies? You rang me earlier. This yeah, by myself, but I yeah. went and I caught some pippies, but they're not hard to get. Like there's not. <laughs> You're so excited. Don't run away. No, he's yeah, very excited. I've got, I've got a whole bunch of them. That's when we went to Brisbane when we were in Brisbane for the Broncos. Well, well, same topic, same question. What's your 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 take on it? Um, <clears throat> it's 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 hard for me to to answer it, I guess, because um, like my like uh, a lot of a lot of my Polynesian side is in New Zealand, and the and it's it's funny because like the I have got like a another another group of, of family here, like cousins and stuff, just one family over here on my mum's side. But it was, it was a bit funny because when when my mum and dad split up, I went I lived with my dad, and the kind of New Zealand side didn't really speak to my dad, so it was like it created a sort of rift from me and. In the in the in the Maori side, and uh, oh, once I once I, I grew up and you know, I can't be grew into my own, become my own man sort of thing. I, I reached out and I'm I'm in touch with them now, and I've been over since because when I fought over there and I've, I've been over there to talk to them, and I've seen my, my aunties and uncles over there, and um, you know I've I've done all that, but uh, it I'm still in the process of trying to close that rift because it's just. It, it it was hard. It was it, it was hard. Like, I just didn't have any connection to it when I was younger, you know. So um, like oh, that's why I guess that's why I'm so I'm so passionate. I'm so uh, enthusiastic about moving the program to to New Zealand to try and you know make a bridge there, a connection. Dave, how common is the story like these stories both in for for Rob and uh, and Eli like in that you know the ability to identify. Uh, uh, the loss of identity culturally oh, it's common. and yourself if you want to talk yeah, yeah. about because you're, you're pretty like i said pretty yeah, fair yeah, yeah. like so almond milk it, it, <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the best analogy i've ever heard around sort of identity and like sort of skin color is sort of like you know you can be any different type of shade of coffee but you're still coffee yeah so you can chuck your chocolate in there and yeah. come out a creamy caramel like yourself but at the end of the day your identity is your identity and your family is your family so pretty much um the way how i always try to explain it is that as soon as you tell me i'm not aboriginal that means i have to then say that my father didn't exist his parents yeah. didn't <laughs> exist yeah. and that whole lineage yeah. um and that whole culture doesn't exist in mine because the dominant culture says that I'm not that. Um, so pretty much that that's the hardest part. And when you're trying to reconnect, then there's the conflicts of family history, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, my dad is actually where Eli. So pretty much Eli's story is a complete reverse of mine. My dad left the mission um, from Ballina and sort of Lismore, um, sort of from Cabo, Cabbage Tree Island, came to Sydney when he was a kid met my mum who's Maltese who's as white as snow I call her a ghost um but pretty much that story of my dad leaving his community at the age of 14 to come to the city um you know what I mean like that's empowering and I think sometimes because of we're always tricked that you know First Nations people are not powerful and strong we bite more into that side and hide our Aboriginality or hide our First Nations background just because one, we don't get overly exposed to it. And two is we don't actually see the strength in it. Where one of the things I can't wait to go over to New Zealand with you for is that they've managed to really make their First Nations culture prominent where it's part of their society, where everyone does the haka. I would love 
for everyone to be able okay. to do some traditional Aboriginal practice. And, or and up until race. recently, that's seen as a joke. Like yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Like Aboriginal culture in Australia up until recently, and, and even still in, in, in with a lot of people, it's seen as like, and I, and I hear it, like not yeah. so much now because obviously I, they, they, people know I work more in Aboriginal programs, but I hear it like just people talking in. Yeah. You'd like to see the whole nation embrace something like that. Yeah, like but, but especially like you, you, you hear shit like that from people that are educated in positions of like, you know what I mean? That, yeah. are, that are in certain positions that you just think like, man, you can't like you. No, you can't say the political correctness. I think like what what like saturated fats and shit do you have in your brain that makes you think that that's okay to say you know and i understand if you're some ignorant person that didn't have education i get that but there's people that are in educated positions that have that have that that that, that frame of mind i was actually going to ask you is, is it hard to identify like is it hard or, 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 or have you tried when you were so, growing up yeah to I'm, not identify because because i've read i've read things about like kyle vanderkop you know the yep. the, the the hurdler and i'm not i could be mistaken with this so kyle if you're not this is not true um, i apologize i'm just Bashing. repeating something that i that i read that um and like i mean uh, from from what i understand his story wasn't an easy one yeah. um but he he would try and like not not identify as aboriginal to try and take the color off his skin if he could and, and it was real, real difficult like for you but you were already fair yeah so i didn't have that problem i think the the it was funny I, when people asked do i ever been questioned do you mean about my originality and now i think i get questioned off non-aboriginal people more than what i do aboriginal people i can always make that connection with my people i remember uh something that was really powerful. what color are your parents uh my mum's obviously dark but my dad's white do you mean he's light skin my nan is obviously do you know what I mean? She's where it comes from. She's Is your dad Aboriginal as well? No. No. So he's light skin. He's got Irish and Scottish in his in his family. Um, but I remember something really powerful when I was young and I and I've heard a lot of people say it now and TAFE and uh, PJ and stuff like that, but the AEO at the time was uh, Nathan Manton. What's an AEO just for people? AEO, Aboriginal Education Officer at the um, at the high school. So he used to do a lot of our cultural stuff, teach us dance, would go on excursions and that. And I always used to say, like, when people would question about my originality, I would say, oh, I'm a half-caste or something like that, do you know what I mean? And, and think that I would have to go back to that term. And I remember he pulled me up, it would have been 14 or something like that, and he goes, Eli, there's no half-caste, you're either Aboriginal or you're not. Do you know what I mean? You've got to stop using that term of whether you're a half-caste or have to explain of where your Aboriginality is from. If you're Aboriginal, you just say, I'm Aboriginal. Do you know what I mean? There's no, like, who in here is Aboriginal? Oh, well, I'm half-caste. No, you're not. You're, you're Aboriginal or you're not. Do you know what I mean? So that's... That stayed with me as a young age. Do you know what I mean? Something was really powerful. And I, I still, I was an Aboriginal education officer at the same school I went to. And it was something that I really wanted to pass on to the young people. And that is there as well. And I encourage everyone to, do you know what I mean? The same with anyone who has identity. Do you know what I mean? Own it. Once you start to own it, I think, do you know what I mean? You, you get more comfortable within yourself and that. And, and then your community. I have a question for you, Dave. Can you, or Eli, either one of you, I have my own version of that. But I just want, when people say that, when they go, because I've, I've, many times I've spoken with people about that and yeah. I get it yeah. I get it um, and people say well no like I'm half German and half French and why can't you be half Aboriginal yeah Dave I think it's in context as well like um, uh, it's really what you feel also inside 
Like I think if um if I was more connected to my Maltese mum's heritage and I was overly exposed to that area and um that's where I draw draw my drive from, I would probably say oh Maltese. Um, but pretty much, I feel my heart, especially being born in Australia as the First Nations people, that that's what I connect closely with. Um, it's also accepted more within the Aboriginal community, that ideology, because through generations we've been trained to um, embrace more of the non-Aboriginal side and we were octoroons and quartercast and all that sort of stuff. That terminology we got rid of. So now it's sort of like, just be proud of who you are. Be proud of the Aboriginality. It's not saying don't ignore the white side. We're just saying that we are Aboriginal because we've never been able to take that stance before. So it wasn't really until like the, the, the 70s, 80s that we were able to just say we're Aboriginal, um, where a lot of the people at the time were saying they were from Italy or something else just so that they would hide their Aboriginality. And I, I get hiding Aboriginality too because even we went to high school together. I think through year seven, year 10, I switched off my Aboriginality. And I know that sounds crazy, um, but I just got sick of being called an ABC. I don't know if you've ever heard that. So an Aboriginal bum cleaner. So an ABC, that's pretty much it. So you just get the stereotypes. And sometimes for me, it was easy to black it off, but I became very dark in terms of my mental state until I said, hey, I'm actually denying all of this of my identity and I need to actually connect with this. Um, year 11 and 12 is where I came back. I got off drugs. I, got, I, You know what I mean? Like I just started finding myself. So when I say that I'm Aboriginal, it means I'm just connecting more with the part that drives me and that's the fire in my belly. Ever since I've made that connection, that's when I started to run programs. I've learnt more about my dad's family. And you'd only only learn about that. Well, you, you don't actively learn about that if the whole life you're being told that they're bludgers and that they're hopeless and they're alcoholics. Why would you want to learn about that until you know, you're mature enough to say, actually, there's something wrong here and you really do the research? And that's what I sort of... I, I would like Australia to get to a point where the ideology is that it's not Aboriginal history. It's, it's Australian, it's Australian history. history. 100%. Um, where I think we still segregate the two. Um, and, you know, and by us saying, you know, we're Aboriginal, it's just really making sure that Australia doesn't forget that there is a First Nations people. Do you know um, the story, and if you don't know the names, you probably know, you know the story of uh, um, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, the 1968 Olympics? You would have seen it, the, yep. the two, yeah, the, yep. the fist up in the air. With the glove, yeah. Yeah, well, there were a lot of people don't know. The guy that came second is an Australian guy, Peter Norman. That was actually, at the time, the fastest 200-metre race ever run. And he was an Australian dude. He didn't put his fist up in the air, but he put the um, the pin on his chest. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the for because the the whole thing was about human rights, and they the, being black guys, they they were about the human rights, not just in in um, the US, but but everywhere. But Peter Norman, he put the he put the um, emblem on him on his thing. This is 1968. So what? 67 was a referendum made before that. Aboriginals were um, with Four the flora and fauna. Yeah. So that that that's what people don't don't associate that. So these guys in in the US were, you know, in this situation. This guy was white, Peter Norman. Yeah. He, he was white, and he put the pin on his chest, and he he stood there with the two these with these two other dudes that had their fist in the air. And when he got back to Australia, it was like on for him. You know, he he really suffered a lot for supporting for supporting. Yeah, well, people don't understand what what was happening in Australia at at that particular time. You know what I mean? In this sixty, that was nineteen sixty eight. 
1967 was a referendum. 1968 was that, those those Olympics. Yeah. So um, yeah, just to put in perspective, is not this is not something that happened five thousand years ago. This is yeah, yeah. you know now, yeah. and and the guy was white. You know what I mean? Like, um, somebody was hey hey goes the white dude. Yes, the white dude. Yeah, he's an Australian <laughs> guy, Peter Norman, fast 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 guy. Um, and and you know what? Like people like. That would have been, imagine how hard it would have been for, like, for John Carlos and Tommy Smith. I've read Tommy Smith's book, and it was hard, like, ridiculously hard for them. But you look at it, imagine from, like, a, as a white guy as well, like, you're you're sticking up for something that's, like, totally against the establishment. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that that would be, that that would be tough too. Like, yeah. that in, in, a, in a much different way, but he could easily just blend into white culture and do his thing, but... He didn't, and that that's hat off to you. He's since passed away, but hat off to you. Um, I don't know. Do you want to go um, into the thing, or do you want to keep going with this? Or yeah, let's jump in with some questions. Yeah. For sure. So we'll start at the start of the. Okay. I was going to say, don't go now, Rob. <laughs> I was just <laughs> you can't do it. Um, all right. Will we see more of your grappling in your upcoming fight? Maybe. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, we'll see. You know, uh, I, uh, I I train I train every angle of offense, um, and if if the fight goes there, it goes there. But I'm I'm going to go into this fight with like <laughs> I'm going to one shot him, and that that that's my mentality going into this fight is that I'm going to melt him. That's it. Sweet. This one. Nepico. Costa and Romero. Uh, and Susan and Jack. What what happened with that that fight? Is Romero fighting Susan or did that fall through? No, no. is Costa fighting Susan now? No. I thought Susan. no. Susan and Jack are fighting this weekend. Okay. 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 Yeah, Jack. I know that Jack, one. I don't know about the Costa and and Romero. Is Jack that going was ahead? a replacement, eh? Yeah. Yeah. So Costa Romero will. I think uh, Romero fell through for the first one. Costa fell through for the second one. And are they still paired? <laughs> they want these guys to I fight so bad. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone wants them to fight. But I don't um, know if there's a date or anything like that. I, I Fab know. may know. He, honestly, if, if Romero comes into any fight like he did with me that second time, he'll kill everyone. Um, honestly. And as for as for Suja and Jack, that, that's, that's a hard pick. You know, I, I will never count Suja out. He's too... He's too good at what he does, but even what he's not particularly good at, he's just strong, tough, and gets the job done. Costa and Romero, they are both the USC want them to fight nature, so bad. Aren't they? I think that's it's like a it's nearly like a um, something you see in the Pride Days or something. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> are they, are they fighting in Mexico? How fucking dare are they you? fighting in Mexico or? Um, <laughs> 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 I don't know. Anyway, that will be interesting. That will be interesting. You know what I, I think? Have you seen that movie Rampage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's the kind of like image I get when I see those two yep. guys yep. fighting and, each other. Uh, Susan and Jack. Oh, Jack Ray. I think he, I don't know. He's a beast. He's, he's too... I have too much respect for him to go against him. Yeah, like, I, I just I think of that. I kind of want the older, the older guy to win because he's just like an old dude. That's, Hermanson's good, but that's tough he's very, very, very good. And he stays in there, and he's good at what he does. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, how much? 
you're moving how much weightlifting work how much weightlifting specific work do you do stays per week is it heavy weights yeah, you are you talking Eli? or Eli? <laughs> yeah, obviously. Eli? <laughs> Impressing people. Yeah. Um, I, I work with uh, Justin Lang a couple couple, couple days a week. And um, we, we have a very specific training model around, around me and my body and the sessions that I work with my other coaches. We have a very, we have a very um, open line of communication between all the coaches so that we all kind of know how we do it. Do you want to explain that a bit better, Fab? Um. So he has two scheduled sessions with Justin Lang a week, um, depending on, so it's pretty periodized programs, pretty specific to what he does. Um, depending on what time of the year and uh, what he needs at that particular time, Justin uh, tailors the training around that. So if there's an injury or something like that, then a lot of the times it's going to be specifically about um, dealing with that injury or getting him ready. But overall, the weight training, the, the stuff that we do with Justin Lang is to get him as big and as fit and as strong and as fast as possible to be able to perform on the mats. You know, mats being a general term for, you know, in the octagon and whatnot. Um, we don't go into the Justin Lang's gym and spend a whole lot of time mimicking what we do on the mats. The mats are the mats. And the whole point of going to Justin Lang's is to get as good as you can be physically so you can use your body as a vessel to to gain as much technique and strategy and tactics on the mats. So you don't yeah. you don't post much about your weight training and that, do you? No, like there's a there's a lot of posts about it, but there's not in. I see a few on Justin's. Yeah, on that there, there's there's not a lot of in detail. Hey guys, I'm doing six reps of this weight. Yeah, now. yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yep. And if they want to work it out, they can go ask Justin. Like, <laughs> it's not even hidden. Like, just go sign up to Justin Lang's gym, and you could do my program too. Yeah, yep. You, know, um, you can be just yeah. like me. The <laughs> <laughs> cows McDowell said, "Pull this Australian bird," and I showed her Bobby Knuckles, and she said about your tattoo and explained it had meaning, apparently something of significance in Australia. Can we have an explanation? I think you could have done the whole thing without letting us know that you picked up a girl. <laughs> yeah, but, um, I like, I like yeah, how he so said, pull this Australian bird. I'm really, really happy for you. I'm really, really happy for you that you did. Right on. Um, good on you, mate. Yeah, right on. He's talking about the, the Southern Cross. I, I, I'd imagine. So do you want to explain both tattoos? Um, yeah, I don't know. When I was 18, my, my, my old man said he'd get me a tattoo you know, to represent my roots here. And there was the Southern Cross. It's kind of like a... I don't know, a stamp in the Southern Shire, I guess. A bit of, everyone laughs at it a little bit, but I know I'm very proud of it. And um, and then when I was 21, he got me a tattoo to represent my other, my other half and uh, my Maori culture. And yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, very proud of of my roots, where I come from, and, and the history behind that. And you know, I draw a lot of strength from that. Um, Ibrahim Amen says, do you think there? Are- any similarities between Wonderboy and Adesanya in regards to distance control? And if so, will you overcome this? Or how will you overcome this? Um, I think Wonderboy fights like a... I think Wonderboy fights more on the outside. Adesanya fights more in that mid-range. His mid-range is like my outside though because he's very long and tall. So I think like... A, Wonderboy is very good at being away, like out of it, out of the, like out of the striking. Oh, yeah, it comes a lot from that sideways karate stance. Yeah, and then coming in, whereas Adesanya sits in the mid range and does like lean back slips, that sort of stuff. And you, you can do that being in the ring, like if you have a, that's because he did a eighty something ring fights, Adesanya, mm. and Adesanya's a fifty something full full contact karate fights, most of them not necessarily in a ring. 
So that sideways stance allows you to, like if you did that in a ring, you'd take like one hop back and yeah, you're on you, the ropes. And you're on the ropes and you get so it, it's <laughs> It's actually, I, I think I think they're quite different, eh? Like very, the, very, very, very different. And there's the, the very different approach in, in, in offense on my part. So like I'd have to have very different approaches to uh, Adesanya opposed to when I fought Wonderboy. And... Like I fought Wonder Boy, and I'd probably have a different approach again. <laughs> um, how long is the road to becoming a coach, trainer for boxing, kickboxing, BJJ, etc.? I'd love to learn and go to rural or underprivileged communities to teach. I can answer you that I don't even train, and I just started, like, just had a go at it, and <laughs> so, <laughs> here I am. Um, now, well, I, I guess Eli, you're a coach as well, like. Um, yeah, well, well, and, and you were basically from rural, like, rural yeah. communities. Do you, do you want to talk about, a little bit about that? About be- becoming a coach and that. I don't know. I just, it's just something that I've, I was passionate about when I was young and I played. I boxed and I, do you know what I mean, and played footy and that. So I also wanted to pass that on to the younger people. I think I always go back to some of the coaches I had. I just I remember they were mentors in my life and I wanted to be like them. So, um pass that on to get into it i think you really got to know the sport and that as well i don't think you can just go i enjoy boxing i might be a boxing coach do you mean you really need to know the ins and outs whether you want to be a footy coach or something like that because there's a lot more to it than just enjoying the sport so i think you really need to surround yourself in it and then and then do your main participate as much as you can and then you might get into the the coaching of it i don't think you can just sit back you know, I, I want to coach and a, lawn bowls tomorrow. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I think I'll be a great lawn bowls coach. A lot of the, another thing is a lot of a lot a lot of people. I think the majority of people don't understand. It's like you may be a great fighter, but a horrible coach. Yeah, no, oh, like big time. <laughs> or you might be a horrible fighter. Yeah, but a super like a good coach. Yeah, what Jack and Riffle? But do you know what I mean? It's very a true. terrible yeah. fighter, but a great top-notch coach. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's very it's very different because like the coaching and, and fighting and like they they need different traits. Yeah. They need different different traits. Completely different. Nearly traits. like being a teacher, a coach. Yeah. yeah. Do you mean so? I, oh, I think I think coaching should be a teacher. Yeah. You know, coaching and teaching should. That's how you should look at it. Like it's it's and and, and it's it's good that you asked to say that because I was going to say like I think the other thing you got to remember is what change do you want to affect? So are you are you are you wanting to give more? Um, because you, you said boxing, kickboxing, BJJ, etc. Are you wanting to affect change in rural and underprivileged communities by using martial arts as a as a conduit? Yeah. You know what I mean. So, so in that sense, and and that's probably the the most common thing. You know, it, it's then then um, my advice would be start obviously start training in that, but you might start just helping out and cleaning out the mats, you know, cleaning, just helping out. And in those communities, like, oh, I had a mat um, at Miller PCYC for, I don't know, 15 years, you know, and the kids were definitely from underprivileged backgrounds there. And um, you're never short of needing someone to give a kid a lift or buy a kid lunch or or take the kids to the comps and that. So you might not be able to start doing the technical stuff right off the bat, but there's no reason why... Man, there's, there'll be plenty of kids for you to be able to mentor and drive to, to the games or drive to the matches or, or whatnot. So I think it's understanding what change you actually want to affect. Because if you've got the experience and you've been, and you might start off then work your way into, you know, being a great technical and tactical and strategic coach as well. So I think um, 
getting involved and getting yeah. started is, is the most important thing. I've got a question here from Alphonse Moana. And it says, I reckon Robbie and Izzy are more alike than they'd like to admit and would probably be great <laughs> friends. Fab, any thoughts? Look, honestly, I will say this. You can't just look at them like this at the from a position where these two... If, if I was going to play basketball against someone, I, I would not be... Um, I'd rather just stay in my room and they can stay in theirs. And then when we got to play and there's going to be you know, $500 on the line, we'll, we'll play and then we'll do what we do and then we'll go. But make no real mistake about it. I want to beat you and that's for 500 bucks in a game of basketball. Like there's no, there is no anything. There's no mistake. I might carry it different. I might pretend that, that it doesn't matter, but, but you both want to win. And you got two guys that are top end of this, their sport. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's very hard to, to say they, they may or may not be friends i don't know they're both grown men that have their own life and whatnot but um yeah i, I do think that a lot of the fighters have a lot of more similarities than people would care to to uh, to acknowledge you know so i don't i don't i, I don't think it's that far-fetched i don't know that they'll but right now it's very hard man because israel wants to knock rob's head off and vice versa you know and uh there's a lot of money on the line. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on the line, and it's no different. But but in fairness, it's no different to Jacare. Jacare is like a really 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 nice guy. Like I, when I was in 2009, I was in Brazil, and I was at the Abu Dhabi trials. He wasn't competing, and um, I I never I never go up to people. Oh, can I get a photo and that? But I've always been a fan, and I went up to him, and he was he was actually <clears throat> he was actually busy with with some somebody else, and I waited, and then I said to him, Hey man, can I get a photo with you, please? And he said, look, I've got to go somewhere. And he goes, but I saw you standing over there. I'll come back and get, I'll get the photo with you. And um, he walked off. And I thought, motherfucker, the only, <laughs> the only person I've ever wanted a photo with. <clears throat> and he came back by and he found me. And, and we took the photo and then we had a, a little chat. And then, you know, he went on his way. And like, nice as Jacare is or whatnot, he wanted to kill Rob. You know what I mean, and vice versa. And you're not; they're not; they can't be friends under those circumstances. You know, it's very, it's maybe some people can, but it's it's very, 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 very difficult. So I think that they share a lot of common goals. That they share, Israel and Rob would share a lot more common goals than most normal people would. You know, with with their workmates and what. And their stories would be very similar in as far as you know, overcoming adversity, the, a lot of stuff they think about and everything. Um, but you know that that isn't the situation right now. The situation right now is that they're going to fight, and it's going to be a top end fight, like a with very small margins for error. You know, so um, yeah, maybe they will be friends. I don't know in a different setting, but a fight, a fight. Um, they're not. Yeah, right now it's we we wouldn't be friends. It's like <laughs> we wouldn't be friends. I don't have any friends to begin with. <laughs> hey, Fab. Mm-hmm. You were secretly going for Jacare that fight, weren't I was. <laughs> Thank you for the photo. <laughs> no, I was a huge fan of, of Jacare, actually, I have to say. Um, what do you think of the middleweight division at the moment? And are there any possible opponents in any division that you think present an interesting <coughs> challenge? Israel Adesanya. Yeah, I have to fight Israel Adesanya. Like, he's going to be a challenge. And um, yeah, it's the only challenge right now. So I'll just focus on him. Mm. 
Um, what does the MMA audience not know about the significant brain damage that fighters sustain after a KO? What's the last, a lasting effects and how frequent does it happen in the gym? Um, I think you can talk about this as well, Lilo. I think it's important. Uh, like it doesn't happen a lot in our gym because we're very conscious of the fact that like head trauma is real, brain damage is real, and we try to mitigate the amount of like trauma we we, we take to the head. So, um, but I do know that it's very prevalent in a lot of other gyms and ar- around the world, and especially in combat sports. You know, what do you what do you? Yeah, I think I've spoken before on on here about it. Where um, as a young kid growing up in the, the boxing gym we went to, we'd spar every afternoon, and it would just be. You know I mean? Full fight? Yeah, but just put the headgears on and just turn the fans on. Just try to knock out your best <laughs> mate. But that was, do you know what I mean? That's how we learned. That's how we learned to box. And um, back then it was just, it was yeah. Brain damage didn't exist now, back then. You always had little <laughs> white flashes. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. when you got one of them, that means I'm turning it on now. Like he just got me. <laughs> Turn you on high. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting him with a better one. And um, yeah, but looking back at it, probably not too healthy for you. I think. Everyone's a little bit more wiser on it now. Yeah. When then, when I used to coach, I used to try to keep sparring to just once a week and and still not a hundred percent. You'd have some guys coming into the gym and they would whinge about it sometimes, like, "Oh, you just don't, you don't spar hard." Like, you know, what I mean, you need to spar hard every night and that. I'm like, "Yeah, if you want to end up brain dead, yeah, you know if you want to nap you when you're thirty, yeah, you exactly. Yeah. Go ahead and or go back to the gym that you came from and spar hard every night." Do you know what I mean? But, um. Yeah, I think everyone's a little bit more wiser on it these days. I wouldn't suggest sparring every night with your best mates trying to knock each other out. I have that conversation with people because we don't, don't, we don't do a lot of, like we do still spar at the gym, but we don't do a lot of sparring. And people ask all the, all the time about that. And like, I think everything comes back to, uh, you can spar and you can spar hard, but what is it that you're doing? What are you trying to get out of the session? What do yeah. you, like if it's to, to go, all right, we're going to give, Rob or Jacob or Dave or whoever, you know, a hard run, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then, um, you know, and it's going to be this many rounds and these are the things we're trying to get out of it and make sure that we get that training in, then then that, then you're going to get a lot of good stuff out of your sparring and it's going to be monitored and you're, you're all going to be looking at it. If it's just like, I don't know what, you know, we, we've got very set days and the times that sparring starts and everything's there. So we, we, we know that when we're going to do it. But if it's, you just go there and you go, hey, you know what, man, do you want to roll today? Are you going to go for a run or do you want to spar? And you just punch the shit out of each other and there's no real outcome from that. Then no, I don't, I don't think there's like, that. that's when I think a lot of the damage occurs as well. Cause you just, you just, you, it's not even mimicking the fight. Like in a fight, you should be, when you go into a fight, you haven't done anything else in the day. You, you're going there and you're just fighting. And when you spar, it should be as close to the fight as possible. You know, so it should have that feeling of you getting ready, you yep. feel that adrenaline. Um, yeah, that that's my opinion on it, anyways. And the rest of the team kind of have the same opinion on it. I wanna I wanna just answer this question. If Rob is such a bad dancer, why is his footwork decent? Why am I a bad dancer? Yeah, someone, someone has, someone's put you in there. Is yeah. there footage? Um, also, I'd, I'd say your footwork's better than decent. Yeah, it's pretty good. But I'm, Do you dance? I'm a decent dancer as well. You dance? Oh, I can bump and jive with the best of them. Bump and jive? <laughs> wow. It's not a dancer. Right? Bump and jive. Hey, Rob, question for you. Were you ready for the fame? Did you want that in your life? Um, I, it's not something I've ever wanted. 
and I guess I was ready. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't know. It's a hard question to answer because, like, I don't. Uh, my team doesn't act any different. I don't act any different. I don't really let it get to me very much. Um, can Can I speak a little bit on that? Mm. Um, I think the most like we like we don't change stuff a lot that that's done purposefully done like so say for example if you and i'm not saying it's wrong i'm just saying to you how things affect stuff um if you win a fight and then you go out and you party and you snort and coke off three thousand dollar a night hookers backs and you have a million friends in your hotel room and that's what happens when you win a fight and when you lose a fight you're by yourself and you're in your room eating pizza watching tv that difference is huge you know, so realistically, you shouldn't really have a big difference between whether you win or whether you lose. Like it, it's it, it's it's just a fight, and the fight's a fight. If you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. And if you lose, you're not going to like it. No one's going to like it. If but if and if you win, you're going to like it. But you should try and keep that to about the same. You know that that that's my my opinion. Um, and then when you see like people that identify with being famous or they identify with um you know you, you, people that finish phds people that that achieve big massive goals uh the, a lot of studies have shown like there's like rates of of suicide and or depression a lot of the times go up and that's just basically because they're expecting okay i've reached this now what happens i'm gonna i've, I've won the world title now my life is going to change now my life's going to be all right i i got that job and now my life's going to be all right and, it, and it's actually not you know your your life is is not going to be like that. Like it's you. You have to keep. Um, nothing magical is going to going to happen. And if you identify with just being famous, you identify with just uh, you you winning or, or whatever. It's it's going to be sad because everyone's going to everyone loses. Everyone's going to it's going to happen. Um, Rob, will you handle Izzy's reach and height advantage better than Kelvin? I, I think so. I think I'm a better outside fighter than Kelvin. Um, I think Kelvin handled him pretty well in the first few rounds. He did. He, he did. Well. I think yeah. he gets to that and gets that left hand down, do you know what I mean, better than mm. a lot of people. He gets that outside foot. And, and he's subtle. Foot. He's very subtle with closing the distance. Oh, but, I think um, he did well, and I think and, and I think Adesanya is just testament to how good he is too. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, Gastelum, like, I thought he handled it quite well. Um, Rob, what part of your game would you most like to improve? Um, all of it. <laughs> My basketball game. <laughs> Fucking basketball's terrible. Imagine, imagine watching a shot putter on acid. <laughs> that's that's what. I, yeah, that's, that, that's Ali Hyder says. Fab, stop giving so long answers, please. <laughs> Look, Ali, I would, but it's not that easy. You're asking a complex question that yeah. requires a complex answer. I will you let. <laughs> Let Rob answer the question. I will. I'm sorry. How would you handle? What was it? How would you handle his reach? <laughs> the Fab Show. Sorry. I'm sorry. I got carried away. Uh, um, yeah, I, I think. Like you said, I think Gaslam did it well. I think I can just do it better. I'm 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 faster on the outside. I, I'm a better outside fighter. I close the distance. I think a little better than he does. And um, 
Gaslin's and and a, I've got a little bit more reach. Yeah, Gaslin's a little bit more flat-footed the way he fights yeah. compared to you. So I and think he, kind of he did pretty well being a flat-footed sort of fighter. Gaslin kind of rolls in, steps in subtly. He, he sneaks in. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. explode in and close a lot of distance very fast like I do. Um, can, can you go back <laughs> up there? <laughs> this guy's defending you. Good on you. What's his name? Ali. Now nah, Ali was a guy who bagged me. Nah. <laughs> nah. Now he's backing you up, is he? Yeah. Well, where is he? Where is it? I've lost it. Here we go. No. Alright. Um, here. No, Yeoj. Ali, watch how you speak on my Bible. And Noah, Noah as well. Thank you, Noah. Um, what was another question there? Yeah, the main question keeps coming up is um, preferred fighting location. Sydney um, and what stadium? Uh, Sydney and yeah, let's get it out west. You know, if we can bank west, bank west, yeah. Preferably, if we can get it in Camden, Camden showgrounds, like or maybe or maybe Smeaton Grange, Crazy Jiu Jitsu. If we can if we can host an event there, that'd be great. But uh, yeah, bank west, like let's get it as close to home. How many numbers possible. in bank west? Is it? Fifty odd thousand, maybe. Now, Bankwest is smaller, I think. Yeah, I thought it was thirty something. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I guessed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thirty thousand. <laughs> um, you'd sell that, no problem, mate. Now, I think that's small, but yeah, honestly, you think, you, I think, you think I you just could go bigger? Fuck, for sure. I think this is gonna be a big sellout, so they're gonna probably pick one of the bigger stadiums. Well, do you think they're <laughs> gonna try to push you into somewhere else then, because of the better stadiums, like better facilities, maybe in Brisbane or? Or Melbourne? I no, I think I think they're gonna try. They'll push for like the biggest seating uh, stadiums, yep. so that um just so they can sell the tickets. Yeah, but um, but yeah, well, it, it doesn't bother me. I just want it close to home. The closer, the better. Yeah, why not? Say that other one, Rob. What's the gayest thing you've done in the octagon? I can't write that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, like, I can't answer that. Yeah. <laughs> Grappled with a sweaty man from Cuba. If you're, if you're asking my dad, it was a toe stomping. <laughs> like, there, was, there was one earlier about the ADCC. No, I don't about that one. <laughs> don't want to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> so so the question it. was, and I'll ask it, how do you think you'll do in, in this ADCC trials? Oh, yeah. I didn't want to talk about it. Um, uh, yeah, like uh, who knows? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to compete. I'm, I'm going to do my best. And yeah, that's that's kind of it. It's don't know. Like, we'll have to wait and see. I guess. No. Um. Okay, Rob, do you consider yourself a karate practitioner or is it just karate influenced? Um, I did karate and my style is definitely karate influenced, but I, I, don't, I don't still practice karate like traditional karate, no. <laughs> this is a cool question. Do most MMA fighters wax? I rarely see MMA fighters with hairy chests. Any reason for this? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't, I don't ask them. I don't ask him. I don't. I have a. I have problems with growing hair very fast. Like. I think Joshua Wilcox hates you. <laughs> Where <laughs> everything he just shits at you. <laughs> 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 Do you 
fad. My missus wants to leave me for you. How do you feel about this? I talk a lot, man. Like not not when I'm by my, not not when I'm out in public, but in 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 close settings, like with my friends. Yeah, there's a guy here that hates me. There's uh, I, I can't. Oh. I'll find him. I'll find him. But I talk a lot. See, so I don't think it'll be good for her. Joshua Wilcox has an anger, dude. Yeah, like, like he has a seething anger yeah. <laughs> for the world. <laughs> What was your black? What was your belt rank in karate? Uh, I got my black belt. Yeah. That's yeah, I did. Cool. I did it. I did it. I did it for about so, um, six months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was your highest belt you got in Taekwondo? I didn't do any. I didn't do much. I wasn't very good. Was, was, Why are you going to shoot it? What was your highest belt? No, I'm not going to do it. I still got my yellow belt. Yeah, I did it. I did karate from from for a long time. For about nine years. Yeah. Yeah. So about six through to fourteen or something. I always thought like I'd, I wouldn't mind two belts in something and I went if I could achieve my black belt in jiu-jitsu then I'd just go do taekwondo for a few months and then <laughs> I can say I have two black belts you know what I mean <laughs> um, do you think you will uh, I'm not even going to ask that. Rob who's your favourite boxer if you have one um, <laughs> uh, no I'm going to ask the next one is the, the one straight after that one um don't, don't ask. I don't. I don't watch a lot of boxing. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just about to say yeah. what was funny the other day is you didn't know who Canelo was. No, you were asking of a picture. Do you know who Canelo? Is that Canelo Alvarez? And yeah, you didn't know. Well, I do now. You do now. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't then. This was three weeks ago. It says, um, can you go down, Dave? Can you scroll down a little bit? It says, Robin Fab, how surprised were you when? Um, uh, about your Romero's boxing? Yeah, when your Romero came out with far superior boxing in their second fight. I don't think his boxing was better in the second fight. <laughs> I don't think it was technically better. I, I thought Romero fought better in the first fight, but I think he landed bigger shots in the second one. But I think he's... Sorry to give a fucking... I should just go, nah, Romero was great. Now, I think Romero, I think Romero did... Better in the first fight, I think the strategy and the tactics were better. In the second fight, he landed bigger shots, but he took so much punishment as well. Mm. A lot of punishment. Um, Rob, you said you never fight GSP because you like him too much. Do you regret that you weren't able to fight him? No, it's... Uh, I Did can't. you say that, that you would never fight him? No. Okay. Um, no... The fight never came to fruition. It's not something I, I regret because it's not something I had any control over. He, he, that fight just didn't happen for for, for whatever reason. Um, I did say that, you know, when when it fell through and we it was said in stone we weren't going to fight. That oh, you know what, I'm happy that we didn't fight because I do have a lot of respect for him. I like him as a guy, as a person, and and yeah, and and. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him to do whatever he wants to do. Rob, give us one Aussie dude who needs to be in the UFC. One, I got, I got several, like all my training partners. You know, um, yeah, I got, I got several. Do you, these gentlemen have names? Yeah, Jacob Malcolm, Izzy, Fitikefu, and David Francis. Like those three guys have been lined up and just plugging away, working away. They're my main sparring partners, uh, day in day out, every day in the gym with me, putting it on me, and yeah, they're they're more than ready. Hey Rob, your thoughts on Martin Ewan, New South Wales native as well. Um, yeah, great fighter, great fighter. He's done done a lot of done a lot of good things in one. Yeah, um, yeah, he's the, won, the, the, the won belts. both belts. Yeah, like um, 
Great fighter, great fighter. Um, Rob, a lot of analysts think Israel is a bad matchup for you because apparently you don't do well against pure strikers. Do you think this is because of the Wonder Boy fight? Why do you think you lost? Um, is that the only fight they're going off? <laughs> Wonder Boy's a hard fight, period. And, um, you know, I, d- I don't think I was ready for him in, in, at, at that time of my life. You know, I was pretty still fresh in the scene and I didn't really have my training under me the, the way I do now. And you didn't so, do, like, horrendously either. <clears throat> you yeah. were landing shots, he was landing, and he... Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I think if we were to fight nowadays, it'd, it'd be a very different fight. But um, mainly because I wouldn't make the weight. <laughs> but, um, but, like, I did all right against Uri Hall. He's a striker. Um, nah, I'm, I'm good against strikers. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm trying to tell myself that no, yeah. I'm good against everyone <laughs> hey Rob what are some tips for recovery stretch yeah just stretch and sleep properly eat well that's the best thing you can do eat well stretch and sleep properly lay off the lay off the cans yeah <laughs> and alcohol sleep don't drink yeah um, who would win in a fight between Fab and Romero which Romero one or two <laughs> Because very different Romero's. <laughs> it's like it's like Romero underwent like a full body change and come back a different person. Like we're we're talking to him like like there was a significant change. Like they're two different people. Rob, do you do you think having a rugby background has helped you in MMA, taking hits, etc.? Um, it's hard to say. You know, you'd have to you'd have to look at the the science behind that. I think there there was a study that like. Kids that have been in a contact sport from an earlier age have the the layer of thing in the brain is a little thicker. The, oh yeah. The, the the like the the gel water substance between your skull and the brain itself is a little thicker. But um, yeah, you'd have to you have to look into that more thoroughly. I don't have a science degree. <laughs> Do you think ring rust will play a factor in your next match? Um. Not, not particularly because uh, I've, I, I, st- I like to stay active with competitions to, to get my adrenaline high and, and to, to put myself out there, to put myself in experiences where, you know, I, I feel that sort of adrenaline dump. Um, yeah. And you're, you're all training. You're in, the, you're in there training all the time. So it's not like, you know what I mean? Like it's not like you get to 200 kilos and then you come back and have to get in shape that's where that's where people would feel it more a ring rust is because i haven't trained or haven't had a Mm. training camp a six-week training camp in the last 12 months or if you're still training every single month of them and doing competitions competition is massive that's a huge one uh your thoughts on doping in the ufc um i don't know um i think i don't like cheating period I think cheating in the UFC is like cheating in any sport. Cheating in anything is is, is a terrible practice. Um, I I was, was just awarded a prestigious award the other day, very prestigious. One of one of one of the the biggest awards that I've received yet. It was my twenty five successful tests, USADA tests award. Uh, they gave me a free shirt, 
<laughs> an, an actual award. What's it say on it? The it show? said 25 successful Usada passes. <laughs> I can't believe that they give out an award for something that you meant, you mean, like. That's, that's fucking crazy. Someone people hold up, look, I just passed the yeah, test. Oh, yeah, like, like, you yeah, meant to pass it. That's yeah, the, like, the whole idea of thing. It's like, <laughs> you didn't do anything amazing, buddy. Uh, yeah, I, it's crazy. And I think some, some guys just got popped again. Oh, some, some guys recently just yeah, got I just popped again. Six months bans on a May. Well, six months isn't... No, <clears throat> six no the, the thing is, like, what was weird about it was that they, they popped hot for it, like PEDs, um, in out of competition, but there was no intentional use proven yeah because they say they use the supplement the banned substance yeah. uh the, the, the tainted supplements yeah. give me some of these supplements where they buy them from because i need every and, bit I- and, and why am i not hearing about ufc fighters like suing the pants off these sup like these oh, it these- should be massive yeah like i would hear uh, if i got banned if i if i got tested positive and banned from a banned substance i'm putting that little tub that I was using in a vault and I'm going straight to court and I'll never have to fight again. Can I, can I ask Fabio, <laughs> you might know, say for example, I have a fight coming up at the end of the year. Could I, say for example, take my training camp to Venezuela? Yeah. Just up, hectic. Would, would I, how, how much, how long would I still feel the effects of them, them steroids or the performance enhancing drugs that I've used? How long will I still feel the effects of being cl- like clean? Well, Do you know? Well, in general, like mo- most of the to- most of the- most of the performance enhancing drugs yep. are recovery based, so it's yeah, your yep. ability to recover. So, say for example, if you're able to train instead of training twice a day, if you're able to train, just for example, like I'm using, yep. instead of training twice a day, you train three to four times a day, and then you 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 multiply instead of training ten times a week, you're training fifteen times a week. Yep. And you multiply that over the course of three or four months. And also don't forget, you have two um, two tests that if they come to see you, you go, no, nah, I wasn't here. What are you, what are you talking yeah, about? You I was, yeah. I was at, so you have, you have those two things. So and, and you're able to take small enough dosages that it just helps you to recover. Mm-hmm. Then your skill level, just your skill level and your cardio level and all of that, just alone from you just being able to train more yeah. often, it's going to be massive. You know, so if you're an older athlete that's able to still train like you're 25 and you do that for a fight camp, it's going to be huge. It's going to be yeah. a huge advantage. It's, it's not, not, not that hard. Yeah. Just imagine going to going to training and not feeling like a horse kicked you. Yeah, yeah. Like after having like four back-to-back heavy sessions, that fifth not not feeling like you've just been ran over you're by a truck. Ready, yeah, you're good. Or just, like you just been one. ready for every session, feeling good and yeah. pumped. It says, like, how, how far back should PD testing go? Well, I think P, PD testing should go fucking however back. And also, if you get done, like, it, like it should be years back that you lose, you know? Like, because you, you fought guys and you t- took them off the – you took guys off their title run, you know what I mean? If, if, you, if you test a positive yeah. and you beat someone. That's a big can of worms, but, yeah. Well, they, they don't want to do that. Yeah, you know because they I mean? know. Yeah. Like, I think- well, you'd have to just give back Olympic medals. Yeah, yeah. You know? What, Rob, was there any takeaways from the two Romero fights that have benefited you today and you can implement in your future fight? Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of little technical aspects that I um that I, I've taken away from those fights that I'm working on day in day out with the coaches. You know, especially the coaches. The coaches themselves have a very critical eye and they see they watch the fights over and over and just see how I can improve. Um, 
Overall, there's a few questions kind of touching the same thing about you moving up to light heavy. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen a fair bit of that on the internet yeah. and stuff like that, a bit of back and forth. You're going up to, to light heavy? Um, yeah, no, it's one of those things that I'll probably end up doing eventually. You know, not right now. Oh, after, I'm focusing on Adesanya right now, but um, yeah, it's not it's not out of the equation permanently. It's it's one of those things like I can move up. I'm a, I'm a heavier guy normally anyway, and um, you know I think I'd, I'd, I'd be fast up there. I'd, I'd hit like a truck, and um, yeah, you know we we'll have to wait and see. I'm not adverse to it. If Jacare wins his next fight and you beat Izzy, would you see yourself fighting Jacare again? And how would that go down? I have to wait and see. I have to fight out of Sanya. Like, it's very hard for me to make any sort of mm. uh, answer any questions about who I want to fight here or this or that before I, I, I stone out of Sanya. What are your thoughts on weightlifting and incorporating a program that involves heavy lifting for MMA? Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. I don't know because uh, it's kind of outside my expertise making the strength programs and looking you at just things. Just lift a mate. That's why I have Justin Lang. That's why I go there because he says, he points at something, he says, lift that, and I do it. Five times. Yeah, five times. Go, lift that three times. And yeah. then that's, how, that's how my strength program works. You know, um, yeah, I, sorry. Sorry, mate. Ring Justin Lang. He'll be able to answer that for you. Buddy. Well, we actually want to, have, we want to have Justin Lang on the show again very, very yeah. soon. Yeah, so save that question and come back next time we're, we're doing... I think the next one we'll have uh, Justin yeah. Lang on. So yeah. the, next, the next cast. How was your recent Ultimate Fighter experience? With me coaching? Yeah. Oh, it, was, it was hard. <laughs> it was very hard. It's um, it's one of those things like the way we do things isn't for everybody, and um, we're very selective. Like here at home, we're very selective with who we train with, how we train, and the guys that we have in the team because how we train isn't for everyone, and um, and it's not pretty, it's not glorious, it's not always fun. We just work and we work a lot and we do the the same boring things we do a billion times because you need to, um, and. You know when you when you get when when you get a when you get a bunch of a bunch of guys like that you've never met before all in one room and then you try to you're forced to teach them how you learn it's not for everyone you know and the guys that did pick up like Juan went very far they 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 aced the competition you know what I mean ask me here Fab would you rather be bald or ginger what a lot of people don't know is that on my mum's side everyone's ginger you're bald and ginger I'm so inside <laughs> I'm like um, I'm like Blade of ginger. I'm like Blade I have all the strengths of the gingers and none of their weaknesses <laughs> you can't tell that I'm a ginger you're a day walker yeah I'm a day walker I can go in the sun I can I can do all that shit but I, inside I'm a ginger I have all their strengths <laughs> hey how uh, much your bench too much. <laughs> How much do you bench for? <laughs> Not much. Not yeah. much. The bar. Yeah. Um, we'll do a couple more and then we'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll s- s- cut out. Um, this is a hand gesture. Just a <laughs> Fab, you don't have hair. I have a question. Rob, how does it feel to have the best hairline in UFC history? Dude, that, that guy has mentioned, has repeated himself. I know. That's why I get it. hundred times. You know. 
It's it's not easy having the best hairline. It's not easy. Do you feel People, a lot of pressure? Yeah, like like more so than anything else. It's just the pressure. Every every media obligation, every 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 opportunity that I'm in front of the camera to show off my hairline. It's, it's very important. All right. On that note, I don't think we can go anywhere past. <laughs> like I think that's too high. He says, "Spam, how does it feel to sit next to a hairline like Rob?" <laughs> I don't feel good about grateful. it. Grateful. <laughs> grateful. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, guys. Please. Uh, oh, what's that? Uh, just you posted the Snapchat video of the Funnel Web fight. Oh, yeah. Oh, how would you rate your performance against a Funnel Web Spider? For those that don't know, Funnel Web Spiders are, will yeah. fucking okay. kill you. I had a dream about one like two nights ago. No. It was what? freaking me out. I, 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 don't, I don't know if, ever, if everyone saw it or not. On my Instagram, There's a there was a... I tried recording... It. A funnel web, a funnel web like this big, crawled into my living room and it was just cruising there, and um, I had to kill it. And I am terrified of spiders, and my wife is terrified of everything. So, so it was it was hard. It was a hard fight. It was a very very hard fight. And um, if you don't know what a funnel web is, if you're not from Sydney, they are thick. Angry spiders, and like, they kill you. Yeah, they'll, they'll kill you. They, they'll they'll kill literally you. kill you. They bite you. You're dead. Like dogs yeah. immune to it, though. <clears throat> Are they? Yeah. Really? Same as chickens. <laughs> no. Yeah. Chickens. Chickens. We get some indoor chickens. Um, yeah. They, they they'll kill you, and they're people don't realize also they're aggressive. They're yeah, aggressive. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You go up to them, they stand on their back legs, and they start hissing at you. And uh, so I. We, I don't know about the hissing. We, <laughs> they, they do, they hiss. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard of him hissing. The way I killed him was, uh, you know, the jigsaw mats? I threw a whole mat on him, like the whole thing on him, and it means fair gutter stomped him. Bad. You don't. You didn't want it to be one of those people who puts it in a little cup and then t- take it outside? You're supposed to. <laughs> this guy's dead. He's so dead. We stomped him so many times. He almost got out as we were stomping yeah, him. you got to be careful. i got full fangs, man. He's not going to get through this much rubber. Maybe. And we were wearing shoes, <laughs> but but like the whole mat, we were stomping him. He still almost got out. Like with us stomping him, he got all the way to the edge, and his legs were sticking out. What was that guy's name in the class? that used to catch him all the time and just oh, walk around with him. Anthony from from Newcastle. Yes, Anthony, Anthony from, from Newcastle. Shout out to you, mate. Man, this guy used to just catch him and walk around in up. class. Dude, they, they are mental, and you're supposed to catch them and take them to the hospital for any of them, aren't you? Oh, are you? I'm pretty oh, sure. They should, they should employ Anthony then. Dude, but that could be his job. Yeah, he was mad, but <laughs> respect <laughs> to you, Anthony. They would come out to attack him, and he'd grab him. Yeah, I just I um, stomped it. Just before we leave, there was a question before, Dave, about um, maybe you can answer that. Is it surrounding... Uh, once we do get the program up and going in New Zealand about working with First Nations in the US and Canada... Um, and I think Dave's already done some work in Canada. Yeah, yeah. So I've already done some work in Canada, and we're, we're sort of um, had a little chat with um, Las Vegas and looking at the working with the first people, First Nations people over there as well. Um, yeah. So, but our goal at the moment is New Zealand, and then after that we can look elsewhere. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys, for watching, and thank you very much for everything. Um, and uh, oh fuck, James Bunt, Ashcroft. I went to school with that guy. Did you remember? Know? Do you remember James? Ashcroft Do you remember? Boys. Is it James Bunt or Michael Bunt? Michael Bunt was in our year. Yeah. So James Bunt must be related to him. Yes, from Is Ashcroft. Well, Michael Bunt was in our year. Two, five, six, eight. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for right. tuning in, Thank guys. Thank you very much, guys. See, See you next time. Bye bye.